just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, in my opinion, the week between Christmas and New Year's is the single best week of the entire year. Here's why. No commitments, no expectations, just chill. And since it's the best week of the year, we are sharing with you the best episodes of the year, also in our opinion. And it turns out that what they all have in common is featuring some real characters. Lead producer Emily Means, your vote is less than half the water for a whole peach. Why do you love this guest and this episode? Wow, Allie. Thane Taggy is unlike anyone I've ever met before. (laughs) (laughs) Hard agree. You and I adventured up to Brigham City for this episode. And when first-generation farmer Thane Taggy pulled up in his pickup truck, he took us on the ride of our lives. (laughs) Yeah. We toured peach orchards. We got to taste fresh organic blackberries off the bush. What a treat. And Thane was so passionate about his craft as a farmer, but he was also very smart as a businessman. And that was what was really intriguing to me. I'm so glad you picked this episode, Emily, because it's kind of a nostalgic one for me because this was the first reporting trip we took together after you started at CityCast Salt Lake. And I think that everyone deserves the opportunity to do a ride along with Thane Taggy through his peach farm. But I think that this episode is a good proxy for that experience. Why do you think this episode is so re-listenable? Like, why is it so enduring? Well, the reason we did this is because the biggest story of the year and probably the decade is the crisis at the Great Salt Lake. And, you know, we're city folk. And I think as city folk, we have this perception that rural farmers are causing a lot of harm to the lake. At what cost are they growing these peaches or, you know, alfalfa or whatever it is? So for us to go and see how this farmer has completely revamped his watering system. This is something that we can listen back to for years. I completely agree. And I think it really upends the narrative that like farmers aren't worried about the lake or aren't worried about water use. And so I think that's really a powerful listen, as well as a truly fun ride. So let's do it. It's Thursday, December 29th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Okay, here we go. This is the sales call. <laughs> Taggy's fruit. Taggy's fruit. Boom, fruit. Hi. Hi. I'm looking for peaches. We just started picking our first free stones, Sierra Gems. 
Now, you don't want to can these. You just kind of want to eat them or freeze them. The really good peaches are always on peach days or around Labor Day. Are those raspberries down there? These yeah. are all blackberries. They're blackberries. We've been picking for three weeks. We've picked a ton, you guys. We put them all in our CSA boxes do, this do last round. Do blackberries round. turn black? Yes, totally, <laughs> totally black. Do you see oh, that? I see, I see. I think you need to go grab that one right <gasps> yeah, well, there. Yeah, you think so? And look over there a little higher. There's a few more. Make sure it's all solid black, no red on it. Dane, if these thing. aren't juicy, we're getting out of this car. Dang. I barely Okay, they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crazy. Oh, shoot. Okay, no. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. I feel like I just hydrated my whole body oh, on that one cool. blackberry. Blackberries are amazing. Okay. <laughs> we're in and we're out. Here we go. <laughs> it's beautiful. So, it's like an impressionist painting. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? That's and this another, is Willard Bay. Yeah, right? that's Willard Bay. So, huh. this land, as we're standing on it right here, okay, I'm going to say it, is the best land in the state to grow fruit and vegetables, vegetables on. Let me tell you why. Last year I didn't, I didn't, everybody in the whole state froze out. I didn't. Why? Canyon breeze, lake effect, hill sloping down, facing east. Those three factors gave me about two degrees warm, more warmth. So this land, as far as I can control it, will never be put into homes. So anyway, those are pluots. Oh yeah. It's cross between a plum. Apricot. Mm -hmm. These plums I know are about ready to pick. Yeah. Oh my goodness, drive through. Yeah. Where's the fingers? That one's kind of weird looking. Whoa. But yeah, they need to come pick these today. I gotta have them come pick these. Yeah, you'll pick them. These are in good shape. Just look at that. Isn't that pretty? That's gorgeous. Which one do you want? I'll take the ugly yeah, one. The spaceship good. one? Yeah. I like that one. Okay, that plum is so I know. sweet. I gotta get them to come pick them right now. Let me make a call. That's a perfect plum. It really is. These are the peaches that made Brigham City famous. They're kind of a yellow peach, mm -hmm. but you can peel them almost with your hand. Wow. And wow. this is a little production plant. We've got dried apples, our syrups we make in there. And, oh, yeah. And we do something, and I snow plow in the winter, so. Oh, as yeah. If I don't have enough of you. Yeah. You're a real renaissance man. Yeah, that's right, man. Anything so I don't have to work for anybody, right? Yeah. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th, and this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College. 
and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Okay, it's time to talk water. And please don't mind the soda machine and occasional announcements, because it turns out Thane's office is in a very unusual location. Thane Taggy, we're sitting in your office, correct? The subway correct. and the Flying J off of I-15. Corner booth. Corner booth. You've got a water. I've got a cherry Coke. Let's do this thing. <laughs> Tell me about your farm. We bought the farm in 1997. Got a now total of 85 acres of tree crops and we're growing a little bit of everything to be diversified peaches cherries apricots apples pears a lot of peaches 31 varieties in fact certified organic blackberries and da 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 garlic and peas so historically how much water have you used in a given year i have source for three water rights out of canyon willard out of canyon perry and then from pine view so i literally have a bunch of acre feet that's available to me in my name that I own. Okay. And I don't know the exact number right off the top of my head, but all I know is I've cut it down to, a th I only use a third of my water rights. Hmm. And how did you get to a point where you were using a third of your water rights? Went to drip irrigation. Everything um, up in Perry and Willard used to be watered through furrow irrigation. The water would run down the side of the tree, erode all the dirt, but it'd get the, keep the tree alive. And when the NRCS, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, came in with grants to update technology to put in drip systems, I jumped on the bandwagon and we put those drip systems in one orchard at a time. So I've put in four drip systems and helped a lot of neighbors get theirs into. So everybody that are significant farmers with significant land are, are on drip right now in Perry and Willard. Hmm. How's it impacted your crops, the drip irrigation? Huge. Waters the trees instead of the weeds. So how's that? Mm. Trees instead of weeds. Yeah. And you guys saw that a little bit. It's putting the water right where the tree needs to be it's all engineered so that they know exactly based upon the gallons per minute based upon how much is putting out that we are watering that tree just exactly what it needs so that the soil is filled with water and that that tree does not stress out uh, one of the things i'm curious about is like some of the barriers to implementing drip irrigation like it sounds like you were one of the first on board what have been the what have like been the hurdles or the difficulties? Really good question. There are barriers depending on your water source. If your water source isn't any good, how are you going to get that water pressurized? And so, if you don't have pressure, you got to have a pump. If you don't, if you have a pump, do you have electricity? Hmm. So those those are some of the things that make it a little difficult. But 
there's um, all the you know science and engineering's there to to make something work and engineer it. So yeah, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, one of the things you showed me is like you need to have clean, clean, clear, clear water in order for this to work because it needs to be able to push through these tiny little drip holes. So yeah, if you're not able to get good clean water or filter it well, then the thing's a bust. Right. It also seems like maybe finances is a barrier. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. You got to put up money up front. And as I understand it, for a lot of farmers, the margins are pretty narrow. Yeah. Yeah, you got to put the money up front. They don't pay until you complete it. So I had to finance oh. it. And then they come out, hmm, Mr. Taggy, that looks pretty good. But you need to change that if you hmm. want to get your money. But I just did it by their plans. They handed me literally a blueprint of everything I needed to do. Are there farmers you know that aren't on drip yet oh, yeah. that have been hesitant? Yeah. What are they saying? They are kind of dragging their feet. It's a big step. You got to don't. You got to put in a two or three months of work to figure it all out. Mm, yeah. Some of the old boys aren't doing it, and they're still using all their water up. And I bet they kind of wish they had had it conserved a little bit better right now, like I am. Why is that? The drought. Yeah, the drought. Because yeah. they tell us at the beginning of the year when they're going to turn it on, when they're going to turn it off, and if we get our full allotment, and we have every year. Mm. But that doesn't mean we get it next year. I'm curious about like the decision to move to drip irrigation, the fact that you've used less water, like how much of that is about the economics and how much of that is about like the drought and the need to conserve water? First, it was all economics because we did it way before that this was even an issue. Mm -hmm. When I first came up here, I talked to an old time farmer and said, oh, Ralph, are we ever going to run out of water? And he laughed at me and he said, we own the first water rights out of Pineview, the first water rights out there so he in his mind thought it would never was an issue but it is now an issue mm. and even though we can use all our water rights they have shortened the schedule a little bit they've cut us off a week earlier and they started us a week later mm. and that's never happened before. trimming the fat yeah they're trimming the fat but they really are conscientious of us orchardists and what we need and what the trees require so we have a say in that a little bit yeah, that's good. What happens to the water that you're not using? Okay, you know what? This is a really, really, really good question because I'm not 100% sure. This is what I do know. Out of one ditch, I'm leasing the water to another farmer who really, really needs it. Okay. And because uh, he just doesn't have a lot of water rice and he's running a lot of land and he uses every, every drop of it. But the other ditch, I don't know where it goes. I hmm. really don't. Uh, something I'm kind of curious about. I know it's going downstream somewhere because hmm. I'm not using it and yeah. I don't know where it's going or where it's ending up. I'm like, would it go into the Great Salt Lake? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Not I a really, bad end, it's, end place it, it for it. It could be. Even that's okay, probably. Yeah. How do you feel about your farm in relation to the lake and the water you're if using? If I'm filling up that lake, I'm happy as a clam. You know, yeah. I'm hoping some of that water's making it there. Mm-hmm. You're a first-generation farmer. What's your, what's your vision? What's the plan? Okay, I'm going to be really honest here. Please. The first time I bought my 25 acres, I literally platted it for homes the next day. Uh, okay. yeah. How short-sighted was that? So I bought the land, and then slowly over time, so I, we bought the first orchard in 1997, and I finally started realizing that the highest and best use of my land is to keep it in the orchard. And so that... That now has changed my whole perspective on everything. 
as far as I can control it, and I'm gonna, there are some things that we're doing to do that, I'm going to keep my land in orchards. It's the highest and best use of, of our property. And with the supply going down and the demand increasing, it's economics 101 as well, you know, from a business standpoint, to keep it in, to keep it in that. Because if, once you sell the land, you've sold it once. I'm, I'm using the land, and I'm doing that over and over and over every year. So it's a continuous... Um, use of the land as long as I maintain it through drip, through proper, through proper fertilization, through proper care, proper weed control, mm-hmm. uh, etc. You know, it's going to be a great, great machine uh, and viable for many, many years to come. Peach trees only last 25 years, so I'm replanting all the, all the time, putting in about 2,000 trees every year, taking out blocks. you got to stay on top of it. Hmm. just can't walk away. So we're actually going to choose the heirs hmm. of who's going to run that, have them set up. They can make mistakes so they can keep it going and hopefully provide for them a good income that will keep them interested in doing that. Yeah. So that's kind of the deal. That was a little bit longer than you wanted. but No. Thane Taggy saying thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.